All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Tyler Dunn, coming at you super live. I don't know why I said super, but we're coming to you guys live. It's episode 76 of Goals and Updates, and I'm going to try to do my best to bring it 110%. Now, we got, um, I got, a, I, I feel like I got some pretty good topics for this show for uh, episode 76. I'm going to talk about some, um, some good ass stuff. But uh, what we're going to do is, um, I'm going to talk about, update you guys on my life and then we'll go into the two topics so the two topics that i have picked out today let me just fix this real quick so all right so the two topics i have today is track everything you do and then why should you care about other people um and then we'll talk about done deal investments at the end so i'm gonna do some updates uh right now in my life so that way you guys know exactly what i'm doing and at the same time you can see that i'm applying the same things to my life now uh, the first thing I wanted to talk about was um, I ended up playing uh, basketball yesterday, which was pretty awesome because I haven't I haven't really done too many uh, like pickup games and sports lately, uh, just because I don't really have anyone around here that really likes to go out and play sports. And um, the the offer comes up once in a while because uh, Jimmy Costa, um, all, like all of them, they get a bunch of people together and they play whenever they're down here. Uh, from they normally go and travel for work. And normally what happens is, let me just fix this. Normally what happens is they come back into town and they do pickup games. And they, I think they mostly do it for their nephew uh, who's like, I think he's going on um, some kind of uh, varsity team um, that he told me last uh, or yesterday. He told me he was going on some varsity team. I don't remember the exact school that he got um, picked in, but that's how, that's why they normally do the pickup games for them, and, and they're really into basketball. At least Jimmy, I know, is pretty in, interested in basketball. So they do these pickup games, and they get um, their whole entire family, basically. All, all the young people in their family, they get together, and they do, uh, you know, we go and we find a park to go play basketball. So we ended up playing, like, five games, I think up to 11 points um, per game. And so I was pretty much wiped out at the end. Uh, the first game I didn't do too, I didn't do too good. Um, the next couple of games after that, I did pretty well. I knew that if I passed it to them, they would, they were the, sh the, the shooters and I would just get the rebounds. And then if I had an open shot, I'd take the shot. So we came up with game plans and we ended up winning. We lost the first game and won all like every single other game after that. So we did pretty well. Now, um, the reason I'm telling you guys about the whole basketball thing is like, I haven't, you know, that's kind of out of my comfort zone. Like I don't really play sports. Now I grew up playing a lot of hockey when I was a lot younger, and that was something that, um, you know, fortunately I couldn't keep doing. But uh, whenever there's an opportunity where I can go and play a sport, even though I'm not too good, even though I know I'm probably not going to be the best player out there, like basketball, I was not the best player out there. I showed up, and I, I did the best I possibly could, and, and that's something that you're going to have to do in life, right? You're not going to have all the answers. You're not going to have everything put together. You're going to have to go out there. And do the best you can with the best, you know, the knowledge that you have and, the, and give it 110%. So that's why I brought that up. But uh, so I was probably, I mean, honestly, I probably was the weakest link that was out there. But I, I pulled my weight into the game and, and we won the games. And I knew my strong points. I knew my weaknesses. And that's how I played the game. I, I tried to do, you know, I passed a lot. And I tried to get the rebounds. I knew I could probably get there faster. And then I would just, you know, be kind of like a distraction and give it off to them and they'd shoot. Now, the other thing I wanted to update you guys on is, um, you know, meeting my numbers at work, which is good. She, uh, my boss basically put out another report and I, and I hit greens for the week, which is always a plus. You want to hit green or blue. I got, you know, they prefer blue. 
Uh, but right now I haven't hit – I don't think I've hit blue once yet. That's my next goal. Now that I keep hitting green, my next goal is definitely going to be to aim higher now and try to hit the blue. Now if I can keep the blue, will give me $150 extra in, um, for the month of whatever I can keep the blues in right, for each month. So that's the next goal. And uh, that's going to that's gonna be um, a goal that I'm going to try to increase my income because that's, that's something I've learned is you have to have these goals – and you got to try to max out the, the increments of your income. So that's, that's going to be the next goal that I'm going to start writing down and I'm going to start going towards. Um, today I hit 42 emails for the day, but I also made a lot of calls. But that, that's also good because I made a lot of calls and I still hit 42. So that proved to myself that I could still make the calls and still push out emails. So that's uh, meeting the numbers. Making phone calls, which is what I just said. I had, an, I had a really hard phone call that I had to make um, three days ago. I made this one phone call, and this one lady was complaining that she was going to get this lawyer involved. And what happens is you have to call the customer if there's no email address on file. So what, I ended, up, what ended up happening was this one lady was complaining because we were taking too long to reimburse her. Um, there was something happened where I think we had a reimburser, and we were taking too long. And I had to call her to tell her that we received because a lot of these people mail them in. Like the older older uh, clientele normally mail in their complaints rather than send an email. So I have to call her and tell her I received the, com the complaint. And then I have to, you know, we forwarded it to the, pro uh, the complaints department. And from there, she has to wait about three weeks to get a response and they'll contact her. And from there, basically, they'll take it from there. So basically, I'm just the messenger that has to deliver her the message. Well, I knew it wasn't going to be an easy one because she's complaining. So, I, you know, I, I didn't hesitate to call because the, the longer you wait, the more anticipated it gets. I'd rather rip it off like a Band-Aid. Most people probably would have held it and probably waited. So made the call, and the lady starts telling me about uh, she was on chemo, or she's going through chemo and she's going to have a hard time and that she's going to send it to her, like she's trying to get a lawyer involved and all this stuff, and um, I'm, and I tried, you know, I just agreed with her. I was like, I, I totally agree with you. Like I, um, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that you have to go through chemo and that you're going through a hard time. And it was, you know, it wasn't easy to talk to her. Like I'm telling you flat out in, in all honesty, it was not easy talking to this lady because every single time I was trying to tell her that, um, you know, I sent, we sent it to complaints department and we, you know, I can't, I can't physically help you which, you know, like you try not to tell you, you're trying to basically comfort her. But at the same time, you're trying not to tell her that you can't do anything for her right now that she has to wait. So that's, that's where you kind of get cornered most of the time. So in this conversation, she's telling me she's going through chemo. She's, um, you know, going to get this lawyer involved, all this stuff. And I have to just comfort her the best I can and just be like, you know, I'm sorry to hear that. I'm just informing you that, um, you know, we received your complaint and then I, that we sent it to the right department to get handled and that they're, they're going to contact you within three weeks. And then I gave her the phone number. Um, and then she was, you know, she said something like, uh, all right, I'll give it three more weeks. And if no one contacts me, I'm going to send it to my lawyer, which, which kind of proved that she's probably lying about the lawyer and that she doesn't have a lawyer yet. Right. But anyways, um, so that was a hard one. Now I, nah, this is really funny that I'm going to tell you. So I end the call. Now the lady next to me goes, Oh man, you had to call someone with the complaint. And I go, yeah. And she goes, oh, like that sucks for you. Right. So I didn't feel bad for myself. The lady next to me felt bad for me. So that's something you want to watch out for is, um, 
you know, I think I, I talked about that on one of the episodes. Most people are going to automatically try to give you their grief or um, they're going to try to convince you that what you just did was wrong or like you should feel bad about it, right? But I didn't feel bad. I actually felt pretty good because I picked up the phone and called the lady when most people probably would be fearful to pick up the phone and call someone during um, a complaint. So, I, you know, I just manned up, um, you know, manned up. Yeah, I think that sounds right. Manned up and I just picked up the phone and called this lady. And the lady next to me is the one that basically complained. Oh man, you got to call, you got to call a complaint. Like, I, I don't want to do that. Like that sucks. Right. So that, so that's that now making, um, so that's making, that was making one of the phone calls that, uh, was not too pleasant, but you know, I, I, I did it. I got through, <laughs> I'm still here. I'm still standing, but, um, so that one's that making others notice, Oh, so yeah, so this is something that uh, has recently been happening is, uh, you know, I've been bringing books to work. So I've been bringing books to work. I've been talking, you know, I've been trying to remember people's names the best I possibly can. And every single time I see someone, I try to use their name. And, you know, there's this one guy, Howard, and, and Howard always, uh, he always calls me uh, Tyler with a tie, right? And um, so that means he, he, you know, he's used to me. And that means like I've said hi to him so many times. And that I've acknowledged him so many times that every single time he sees me, he already gave me a nickname. So that's a plus, that's a check one for Tyler, right? Um, the other one that I've been running into a lot is uh, Tyrone. Now Tyrone is someone that uh, I can already tell is probably a big thinker only for the fact that every single time I bring a book, he goes, hey man, what are you reading? Right? He's interested in what I'm reading. And, uh, I, and I showed him the last book that my uncle gave me and I was talking about him and it, the grasshopper mentality one. And he goes, um, he's like, oh, man, that's really interesting. He's like, I, I definitely got to get that one. <laughs> and, I'm, and he's like, we still got to catch up. So um, I'm making friends. I'm getting people to notice me. And by the way, the funny thing is um, people are noticing me because of my dress style. Because I'm dressing out in a tie every single day. People are like, oh, yeah, I already, know, I already knew who that, that person was. Like my mom introduced me to this one lady. I kind of already forgot her name. Introduced me to one lady and she goes, oh yeah, I've seen him around. Like, I didn't know it was your son, but I've seen him around. You know why she saw me around? Because I'm wearing the only one that wears the tie. The only one that goes out and dresses every single day I work there in a tie. All right? And you know I always wear a tie because Howard gave me the nickname Tyler with a tie. Right? So the point that I'm trying to make to you is, uh, you know, that's how you stand out. You, you dress out. You dress for success. Um, and I, I'm telling you every single day, people tell me like, why do you dress out? Like why? Um, they did it to me last week and they were like, are we ever going to see you not dressed up in a tie? And I'm like, no, I'd probably never, I'll probably be here every single day in a tie. Um, it kind of reminds me of this, uh, this other thing too. Like there's one day the CEO comes into work. All right. The CEO comes in, everyone's freaking out. Everyone's like, Oh my gosh, we gotta, we gotta make sure we're doing everything that, you know, everything right. And they're all scared because the CEO is coming in and I'm just, you know, I'm always working. So I don't care that it, if he passes me, he's going to see me working because that's all I'm doing there is I'm putting in the work. I'm working. I'm constantly picking up the phone and, and making the phone calls. I'm working. So if he comes in and sees me, he's going to see me working. I'm not eating on the clock. I'm not, you know, I'm not doing stupid stuff that they're worried about getting caught doing because they're, they're half-assing or they're not doing their jobs, right? So um, what happens is my boss goes, oh, I see him. And just just out of instinct, I looked up and I saw him and he was coming through the rows. 
and I looked and I looked at him and he looked at me and I just waved at him because you know I'm, I'm not I'm not intimidated <laughs> I don't care he's a person just like me like you know he just had the courage to go and start a business and he's had the time and he put in the work and he, and he built up a, a corporation right but he's no different than me and you so I just waved at him you know smiled and waved at him and he waved back and smiled and he kept walking and what happened was I went back to work I was like all right whatever I'll go back to work now, the two people behind me, my manager and the other girl across are like, oh, my God, he waved at me. <laughs> they go, oh, my God, he waved at me. And I'm like, I'm, like, I'm thinking to myself, no, he didn't wave to you. He waved at me. I waved to him. And, and they go, I, like, I don't understand why he waved at me. I didn't think he knew me. And then, and then I'm like, no, like, I waved at him. And so he waved back at me. And they, and they, they start laughing. They go, oh. But see, like. That, that's what I'm saying is like people are intimidated and I, and I never understood, like I understand the concept of why people are intimidated um, by like a CEO or someone that, uh, you know, owns, owns that company or owns that building or owns, you know, something that involves like where you could get in trouble if you're not doing what you're doing. But if you're constantly doing what you're doing, you should not be worried that he's going to catch you not doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right. That's just the logic of it. If, if you're really working, if you're really trying, if you're really putting in the work, um, you shouldn't be worried if the CEO's in the building. You shouldn't even care. You probably, you probably really shouldn't even notice that he's in the building if you're working as hard as you, if you're really putting in the work um, that day, right? I would have never known the CEO was in that building until the manager said something and I looked up, right? So that's that. Now, um, the other thing too, real quick, is uh, I, I got through accounting one. I passed it, all right? So I'm done with accounting one. Completely past that, and now I'm going. Now I'm going to receive my uh, my college degree, which will be a um, a two year AA degree or a arts or associates in arts. Um, technically, I was told I was supposed to get an associates in science or of science. I think I think it's associates of science and associates of art. Um, but uh, that's what they told me. Now the funny thing is, if you really want to laugh of how messed up college really is. Um, and if you're someone that thinks college is amazing, you, you're probably not going to like me because I, I really don't agree with college. Now, um, and then you're probably also thinking, then why did you get a degree? Well, I got, you know, I put, I thought I needed college, right? I, I thought that it was supposed to be this wonderful thing that everyone talks about. And I ended up getting halfway through and I realized uh, that it wasn't what I thought it was supposed to be. And that most college kids don't use it for what it's really meant to be, which is networking. They use it and they go, you know, they go there. They don't really work a job. Um, or if they do work a job, they, they normally work a, um, an okay job or like a, um, I'm trying to think of the word that I want to use. They use kind of, they use the job as like a pawn. And most of them obviously still live with their parents. A lot of them don't really pay bills. Um, a lot of them, and by the way, like I, I would say 80% of people that are in college don't even college kids or college, uh, um, yeah, I guess you call them college kids. College kids don't even work. Most of them don't even have a job. That, that's the most surprising thing is most of them don't have a job and they actually say college is their job, right? And they go full time. They take like six or five classes at a, at a clip and they try to do it within two, you know, if let's say they're going for a two year degree, they're trying to get it done within two years. Now, they, um, so what ended up happening was this, this is the whole big joke. They threw me into an AA. Now, when I first went to college and I told them that I wanted to go to college, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to do business, but I didn't know, like, if I wanted to go into marketing, I didn't know if I wanted to go to sales, you know, I didn't know the path. I just knew I wanted to do business. 
And so they put me into a general business. Um, like that was my major, you had to pick a major. So they put me in general business. Now they, now they put me into an AA cause I'm like, you know what? Like, and, and I was thinking like everyone else, cause everyone else told me like, Oh, you use the community college for two years and then you transfer. And that's how you get to better colleges is you basically try to um, use it as like a pawn and you, tr and then you try to transfer in. And I'm like, Oh, that sounds great. Um, I was like, that sounds great. And so like, that's what I did. I was like, Hey, I just want to go here for two years. I want to get the two year degree. And then I want to transfer. And of course, and I picked FAU cause that's what people told me to like, people told me FAU is the best business school. And I don't, and I'm not, I'm not doubting that FAU isn't the best business school or one of the best top, you know, one of the top business schools there. Cause I know it is, but um, that's what I just told myself. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to, that's my plan. And I didn't really think about it. It was someone else's plan. I'm like, I'm going to go to FA, you know, I'm going to go here for two years and I'm going to FAU. And so they put me into a AA and, or a program. And then they were like, all right, you're going to go here, get the AA and then you're going to transfer to FAU. And I go, okay, that's great. So, you know, I went halfway through college and then I ran into, um, I ran into this one guy, Stephen Gross or professor Gross. And he was like, Hey, I'm, I'm the one that runs the business programs here. Cause I had an internship, like I got an internship with Hoover pumping systems and he was my, um, my, I don't know what you call him when you're an intern, but uh, he was basically like almost like a case manager for me. Like I would report to him and if I had any problems, I'd go to him and he would contact the company and be like, Hey, like you can't do this to a student. He needs to go to class. Like, let's say I was late for work cause I was out of class and the class ran over and they, and they didn't like it. The, um, the people I was working for Hoover pumping systems, I would go to him as the case manager and he would be like, Hey, you can't do that. He's a college student. Um, he, you know, he gets out of class at this time. You have to work with his schedule or, you know, if I had any issues, I go to him and he told me, he's like, Hey, like I see you're doing an AA. He's like, you should really be in an AS. And I was like, okay, like, how do I fix that? Can I switch it? And he goes, yeah, it's no problem. Gives me to this, this one advisor. The advisor then sits me down and goes, Hey, look, he's like, here, he, he's already, he's like, you're already halfway through. All right. You can continue down the AA or you can transfer into an AS. And he's like, I recommend the AS cause you're going to get better classes that are more towards your business degree or your major. But he's like, it's going to reset you. Like all your credits will not transfer into the AS. And he's like, you're going to get set back a couple classes and it's going to actually push you back further. And I was like, I like, I was like, do I really need an AS? Can I, can I just keep the AA and, and still transfer and still, if I wanted to go to and continue with Broward college, basically just transfer back into Broward college and um and do a bachelor program here or anywhere else he's like yeah it's no problem he's like you're just you're just taking kind of pointless classes everyone told me they're pointless classes which by the way um i kind of agree and i kind of disagree most of the classes i took were kind of actually helpful like i took world religion which most people are probably like what a waste of a class right everyone told me what a waste of a class but i learned so much in that one class that everyone told me that was a joke that um that it's not even funny like i educate people on religion now because I went to the world religion class. It told, they told us all about different religions, which I had no idea. They talked about, um, Judaism. They talked about Christianity. They talked about, uh, um, like, uh, I, forgot, I don't think it's called, I know they're, they're Muslims. I, I think there's a different term for it though. But, um, they talked about Hinduism. They talked about Buddhism. They talked about, uh, like basically any religion you can probably name. They basically went over in that class. And the most interesting thing that I tell people, because most people don't know this, is the whole thing with the Judaism, 
Uh, Judaism is basically, it's very, very similar to Christianity. And most people don't know that, which it makes sense because Judaism was first and Christianity was founded off of Judaism. So the only difference that most people don't realize is uh, Christians already believe sa the Savior has, or Messiah, which is the Savior, has already, has already presented itself and has already came, right? And um, we believe, or Christians believe, that Jesus Christ was the Savior. Now, um, Jewish people, or in Judaism, they don't believe in that. They, they believe there's God. They believe the heaven and hell, which is the same as Christianity. But what they differ on is that they're still waiting, or that kind of came out weird. They're still waiting, still came out weird. They're still waiting on, there you go, uh, on the Savior or the Messiah, and they don't believe Jesus Christ was the Savior. So that's the big difference. They're still wait, waiting on um, the Messiah or um, someone to save them. And Christians automatic, you know, auto re are ready. Wow, this is really weird. Words getting twisted. Already coming through, and he's the Messiah or the Savior. So that's the big difference, which most people don't don't know that, and most people don't know how um how alike or how similar Judaism is to Christianity. Now, the other thing is, uh, so that so that was that that was that, right? So they told me I should, you know, he wanted me to transfer and switch to an AS. So thank God I didn't. Um, and I was like, yeah, it's whatever. Like, you know, it's not a big deal. One's just an S and one's just an A, right? There's no big difference. Not like, I, you know, I'm not going into the medical field. Most people that go to the AS, by the way, are in the medical. Uh, they're trying to get somewhere in the medical field. <clears throat> Excuse me. Now, um, so I graduated, technically. Um, I, I took my final, which I got to I, – I don't know if she when she's putting the grade up, but I passed regardless. I ended up with either a 77, which is a C, C+, plus, or if I passed the um, – you know, if I got a certain – she told us I had to get like a 160 on this final, which I might have actually got the 160. I don't know. Like I, I was pretty confident on this test. It was pretty easy. And um, so if I got the 160, I can then get a B in the class. So I'll pass regardless – but it just determines if I'm going to get a higher grade or if I'm going to keep the grade, the grade right now as a C, right? So that's the only difference that I'm waiting on right now. Now, um, once I get the diploma, I'm definitely going to put it on here just to show you guys what it looks like and everything. But um, they told me it's going to take like six months for them to mail me this diploma, which, I, I, you know, it's kind of weird. I don't know how, why it takes six months for them to mail it. But, um, you know, it's, it is what it is. I, I, I pretty much waited four years of college to get the degree. Uh, so, you know, another six months is not going to kill me. So I don't, you know, but once I get it, I'll show you guys what it looks like and stuff. Um, but, I, you know, I'm pretty excited, but it's kind of like, eh, <laughs> I kind of wasted four years to get a piece of paper. And, and that's, and that's the honest truth. Um, the honest truth with college is that, you know, I probably, I kind of honestly really don't need uh, what, you know, what I was going for. Uh College is more made for the medical field. Anyone that needs uh, to learn in the sense of um, like books, right? Now, business, you need to learn books, but they don't teach you what you need to learn in business. The only business class that I could tell you that I've taken that actually made a lot of sense for um, a business major to take would be accounting. Accounting was one of the most important classes that I took. And accounting was something that um, I learned a lot. I learned about like FOB shipping where the seller would pay for it or the buyer would pay for it. I learned about um, debits and credits, which is really important. And then, 
you know, an asset compared to an expense, compared to a liability, compared to revenue, um, all, all the important stuff that you need to kind of know when you're running a business, uh, when it comes to taxes and all that stuff. But that was really the only class that I took that I can honestly tell you as a business major that made absolutely the most sense to take in, in, um, in college. Everything. And the funny thing is I paid half or maybe a quarter of what most people would have paid to take these classes at like at FAU or a major university. So I, I feel like those people got completely ripped off, by the way. Anyone that went to a high-end school and paid for the amount of money that, um, you know, for some of these classes that I took, you know, they probably paid triple or, four, or quadruple the amount of money I paid per class. So, you know, and I got zero. By the way, I got a two-year degree with zero student loans. All right, most people probably went to the high-end schools to go get a two-year degree and walked away with $20,000 loan or, you know, close to $30,000 loan because um, the classes are ridiculous, ridiculously high in price. So, you know, if you're someone that's, um, that watches this and ends up trying to, you know, you're trying to determine about going to college, if you're determining on going to a high-end school, I just, um, I, I ended up talking to uh, um, this, this one kid who's kind of like this similar path of like, He's like, all right, I want to go to college, but I want to go to this college. And, he's, and he named, like, one of the most high-end schools you could possibly go to. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, like, like, I definitely know his family probably does not have the money to help him get through there. And at the same time, like, I can just, I can just see him get, coming back with, like, massive student loans. Like, he, I know he doesn't, he probably doesn't really have the money to go and, and do that. So, and the, and, the, and the messed up thing is they're going to push him to do that right? And his parents probably will push him to do it too, because his parents, you know, they want him to be successful and they think that's what he has to do. So they're going to push him in that way. And honestly, you know, it is what it is. But um, if you're someone that is trying to get, you know, go to college, I would definitely start looking at other options. I would not go to the high-end school. I'm telling you the best thing that ever happened to me was not being able to have the grades to go to the high-end schools. And it forced me to it forced me to slow down and look at things differently than every other person that I was talking to about college. Because everyone's like, oh, I got to go to college. I got to go to college. I got to go to college. Guess what? Everyone that I know that went out of state to go to college or even went to the high-end schools all have student loans. I have zero student loans and I have, and I have a degree. All right. And now I'm event, you know, I'm thinking about going back. Uh, but the funny thing is I'm thinking about going back right? And getting a bachelor's. But guess what? I'm not going to pay for it. The company I'm working for is going to pay for it. And that's what you guys are not thinking about. You guys are thinking about, I got to go now. I got to get it done right now. And I got to go pay thousands of dollars to go do it. And, and that's the biggest debt consumer that we have in the United States. I had these two Philippine um, girls. I went to this uh, networking opportunity at my church about uh, last week, Friday. And these two Philippine, uh, Filipino girls just came from the Philippines to the United States about two months. Uh, I think they said they've only been here for like two months. And, and they're asking all these questions because they're intrigued, right? They're, they're from the Philippines. And, and the funny thing is we're so interested in them because they're from the Philippines. And they're so interested in us because we're, like, we're United States citizens. And they're just like, oh, like, like it's so different here. And, and, we're, and I'm asking them a ton of – like I'm interested as hell because I love talking to people from different countries because – it just educates you. You're just like, Oh, like, like, you know, what's it like there? Like, what kind of food do you eat there? Um, you know, how's school there? And they're asking me and the funniest question they asked me was, 
They go, in the Philippines, they pay for our college. And they go, do they pay for your college here? And I go, no. I was like, honestly, <laughs> I was like, it's, it's massive debt down here with college. And I said, we're in the trillions of dollars of debt in the United States with college. And, I, and they go, oh, no. And I'm like, but it's okay. I'm like, there's ways to get it if you really want to get it. But my word of advice to you is I'd look for scholarships. I'd look for other things to pay for it. I was like, you can get grants from the government. But I'm like, don't. I was like, I'm telling you, stay away from the student loans. Like, that's where the debt is. Stay away from the student loans. They're the worst, the worst loans and the worst debt you could possibly have. And I'm um, like, but it is possible. You know, you can't get a college degree here. You just have to be smart and not do what everyone else is doing. That's what I, that's what I told the two Philippine um, girls that were, were sitting in front of me. I was like, but I'm telling you, be careful because it is the worst thing that is happening in the United States right now is uh, it's worse than credit card consumption debt is college debt. And um, so you got you to gotta be careful. And I'm telling you, look into things. People make fun of community colleges, but community college is just as good as, uh, you know, a, another well-known brand like an F FSU or um, F FAU, right? Um, the difference is the connections, right? The FAU is probably going to have better business connections maybe than a community college doesn't mean you can't get the same education from the community college than FAU. I'll promise you that. All right. Like it's just, it's Nikes compared to Adidas. You prefer the Nikes, right? I'd say this about, I tell everyone this, this concept. It's like comparing shoes. If you had Nikes and Adidas, Nike is probably going to be two times higher in price than the Adidas shoes, but you're going to want the Nikes. Why? You prefer the Nikes most likely over Adidas because Nike is a well more branded uh, or well more established brand. It's more of a higher, we consider Nike more of a high quality brand over the Adidas. That's the same thing as college. That's what I learned when I couldn't get to the top notch schools, right? So, you know, that, that's what I have to say about college. Now, we're gonna go on these two topics right now. And uh, the first one's gonna be track everything you do. Now this one, a lot of people I'm sure are gonna be like, I'm not tracking everything I do. I thought the same way. All right. I thought the same way. I'm like, I'm not going to track everything I do. There's no point in it. Like, why would I track everything? And the reason you track everything is because I'm going to give you a lot. I have, I have a handful of examples I can give you on this one of, of why I know tracking everything is, is probably the most important thing you could do. Um, if you want to lose weight, right. And you have to eat healthy and uh, you, obviously you have to go to the gym, you have to eat healthy. But if you want a better body, you want to lose weight, you have to be on a diet, right? And the only way that you're going to be able to do that and sustain the diet is by tracking the calories you're putting in your body, by writing down, you know, everything you're putting in your body. Um, that's something that I've been recently doing is I'm tracking everything that's going in my mouth and everything that's basically I'm eating, right? So I'm like, okay, like today I had rice, today I had this, right? And I'm trying to um, get the calorie count. The next step is really to get the calorie count because that's that's probably the most important thing is counting the calories. I haven't really gotten to the point where I'm tracking the calories. I'm trying to get into the habit of uh, jotting down everything I'm eating. So like, okay, I had steak today. I had this. And then, um, you know, and then eventually what I can start doing is, all right, I had steak. I can estimate like, all right, it's going to be like this amount of calories. And then you just write calories next to them, right? And then you can add up and get an estimate 
I mean, it's not going to be perfect, right? You're probably not going to be able to track every single calorie that you ate. But the idea is that you're getting a rough estimate. So this way you can adapt, you can change. Um, same thing with, uh, with college, right? I did this with college where every single time I got through a semester, I went to the, um, I went to, uh, the counselor, the advisor. Why? Because I wanted to know exactly where I was. I wanted to know exactly how many classes I had left and exactly which ones I had to pick, right? So I was going through it. And um, when I was going through it, you know, that's another way of tracking it. I, I kept writing all the stuff, all the, um, all the courses that they kept telling me I needed. Um, by the way, most people don't go to their advisors. And I think that's the biggest mistake because what happens is you go and you, you waste a lot of money and you go and you end up buying courses that you probably didn't need. They ended up, they told me I paid for one course, which I don't regret, by the way, paying for. I had to pay out of pocket, but I went to, um, I think it was psychology. They told me that I took and I didn't need that for my AA, but I don't regret taking psychology. Psychology, if you can take psychology, 110% take psychology. Uh, that was a course that, um, I forgot who told me. Someone told me to take psychology and that's why I think I picked psychology, to be honest with you. And I didn't confirm it with my advisor. Um, but it teaches you how people, you know, how, why people think the way they do, how to be optimistic, how to, it was one of the few courses they, they give you in college, which is actually a, a life lesson skill that you should go and take. All right. So, you know, if you're new to college, if you haven't taken psychology, take it. It's worth every dollar. Now, now the other thing too, real quick is, um, and give me one sec guys, one sec. Hang on. I got to close this door. Hang on. Sorry, guys. I had to close this door because you're going to hear all the echoing coming out of that door because my mom's talking in the other room. <clears throat> so I had, to, I had to close that. But but anyways, take psychology. 110% recommend taking psychology. Now, um, let me see if I can compare. So here's another one that I can give you an example of. I'm not going to use his name because my friends can get really pissed at me if I blast him right now on this. But my one friend ended up seizing his engine. <laughs> okay? This is a true story, I swear. Ended up seizing up his engine because he wasn't tracking the mileage um, for the oil intake for his car. So he wasn't tracking the mileage. He was relying on the technology to tell him, hey, you got to change your oil. What ended up happening was he, um, he ended up seizing the engine because the light never came on and he didn't realize that, hey, I, had to go, I have to change my oil. So he took too long and all the oil dried up in his engine. It seized it. And a couple thousand dollars later, he had to get a whole new engine. So the lesson of the story is he should have been tracking the miles. He should have been taking care of the car better. He shouldn't be relying on the technology within the car. He should be tracking. Hey, I, um, my last oil change was at 15, <clears throat> excuse me, 15,000 miles. I'm on about, um, or let's say 20,000 miles. You know, and you really should change it. I think the I think it's like six thousand miles you're technically supposed to change it by. And let's say he was at twenty three thousand. Hey, I'm at twenty three thousand miles. In the next three thousand miles, I should go get my oil changed. Right? That's what I do. I track everything in the car. Now I lease my car, so that's another reason why I kind of track it too. Because I'm like I can't uh, I can't afford to mess this up because um, I got to give the car back. Right? So in my mindset, I'm like I, I'm already going to give this car back. It's not my car. Right? That's, that's the that's mentality I have in my mind. 
well, this is my car. I got to track everything I'm doing because if they ask me, hey, did you take care of this car? You haven't brought it to the Hyundai dealership. I have to show them all the paperwork and I have to show them like, hey, I got this oil change on February 2nd. I got this, you know, I, I took care of this window on um, January 9th or something. You know what I'm saying? So you have to track everything, all right? You have to. Now, the job that I'm doing right now, I have to track everything, all right? I'm, like I'm telling you, I track everything I do at this job that I'm at right now. I have to track, um, I'll actually like go through what I have to do. So I come into work, all right? I work from 10 to about 6.30 p.m. almost every single day except for Saturday, all right? Now I come in, I clock in the phone, I have to take a 15-minute break, yeah, I take two 15-minute breaks at different times and I take a 30-minute lunch. So I have to track, you know, I have to track when I'm going in and clocking in and I have to track the time the 15 minute breaks and if I'm late I get out of it out of uh, they call it adherence I get out of adherence and I lose points now what I also have to do is if I have to pick up the phone and make a phone call to a customer or a service provider I have to clock off uh, what they call off phone time and I have to track it and I have to write it down on paper and I have a tracker on the computer and at the end of the day all my off phone time or all my unscheduled hours I have to send to my manager so I have to track every minute of the day when I work there, starting from 10 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., okay? Now, the other thing I have to do, too, is I have to track at that job every email that I send. So every single time I send out an email, I do a tally mark. I do the, You know how you do the little tally marks, and then you do like five, you squiggle out, you do the little cross? I do that with every single email that gets sent out every single day. So that's how I know when I'm hitting my numbers or if I'm not hitting my numbers because there's a set amount of numbers I have to get to, which I think is 45. Today I hit 42, which is pretty impressive. I, I think I've hit 40, I think I've hit 45 once or I've hit 44 once. So 42 is pretty impressive because I also made phone calls at the same time. So I had a lot of off phone time, but I also got a lot of emails out. So it's good. Now, that's what I mean by tracking everything. And, and this job has actually reinforced a lot of things where I'm like, all right, I got to get on, I got to get to work on time or else I'm going to lose points. I have to go and track how many emails I'm sending or she's going to give, she's not going to have the, the right amount of emails. I have to go and track on my off phone time or else she's going to give me, you know, I'm going to get less points off this one or I'm going to lose um, productivity points basically. Because if it, the reason you're going off phone, by the way, is so when she gets the when she gets the numbers and they're low, you add some of the time back onto it, and they go, "Oh, all right, he was off phone making a phone call to the service provider. He gets away with not doing two, right? So you're giving yourself more time, basically. You're uh, you're buying yourself back more time when you're on off phone time. So that's why I think it's funny too when people don't want to make the call because it actually gets your numbers up because you're on off phone. You can take as much time as you need off phone to get the job done, right? And I can miss out on two on one. But the difference is I'm just trying to push through work and I'm trying to um, call the customer. I'm trying to get information from a service provider um, to push the work forward. That's the difference. So they're, they're kind of rewarding me in a sense for making the phone call. So that's the funniest thing that I got out of the whole entire thing is people don't want to make the phone calls, but it actually helps you when you make the phone calls. Now, um, we did work. We did that one. I'm trying to think if I can give you one more where you have to track. Um, let me think for a second. 
Yeah, I, I kind of gave you a lot. I gave you college, right? You got to track college. You have to track if you want to lose weight. You have to track what you're eating on the diet. You got to track um, your gas or your um, gas is another one too, right? Let's and I did the we did the mileage right for an oil change, and then I gave you the one at my job. Now another one too that you can think of, which is uh you know is pretty important, is you start on a gas tank from empty to full, right? And you have the little gat or the, the gauge that goes from full. And when you start using the gas, it goes over to empty, right? Eventually you have to fill that gas tank up. Now, if you didn't track from full to empty, how would you know when you're about to be empty to go get more gas? You wouldn't. So you have to track, right? And you have to, that's why it's so important to track everything. Now, I can give you another one with time, right? If you want to stop wasting time and be more productive, and this is the hardest one that I've tried to do, and I'm going to be honest with you, I have not accomplished this one, all right? I'm still working on this one where I create a schedule with my time, and you track down every single hour, every single like couple of minutes of what you're doing with your time, and you try to cut out all the, um, all the waste, meaning like all the stuff that's wasting your time, like Netflix, gaming, um, eating for like two hours. Uh, you're cutting out all the excess amount of time that you're wasting and you start filling it up with productive stuff. And that's something that I've slowly been able to do, but I have not perfected. Like I'm not a perfectionist at that one at all. Um, my uncle still gives me crap every single time I see him and he's like, Hey man, do you work on that schedule yet? And I'm like, no. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> the reason I'm telling you that is because I'm trying to show you I'm not perfect. I'm still working on everything as I'm telling you guys to do it. But at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm trying to work on it with you. Now, um, the reason I think that it matters too, and, and this is kind of crazy too, is my, my uh, grandfather tracks everything to the T, everything. And I think he got it because he was a, um, he was an engineer. He worked on the, he worked with a company called Fairchild when he got out of the military as a vet. And he ended up going and working for this company, like I just said, Fairchild. And they worked on planes. And he worked on the tail section of planes. Well, what happened was he ended up working on the first space shuttle on the tail, the tail end. He got to work on a piece of the tail. And uh, so he worked on a piece of that tail. And I think what happened was like at his job, he probably had to track everything, like everything had to be perfect. Cause as an engineer, if it, if everything's not measured properly, if things aren't put together properly, everything, it's not going to fit, right? It's not going to work. It's not, everything has to be perfectly crafted on that space shuttle or else it's not gonna, it's going to blow up. It's, you know, a little things can happen where the space shuttle won't be able to take off. Right. Or it won't be able to, they can't control the space shuttle when it's in space. Right. So I think that's where he got the mentality from. But I'm telling you, he tracks everything. I remember one time we went to, um, it was a, we got, we just survived a hurricane and we needed a generator. And I think he pulled, he went out and he's like, all right, I got to make sure the generator works. And he pulls out the generator and attached to the generator is a sheet. And he's like, all right, this is the last time I tested it was uh, three months ago. And he write, he like, I'm telling you, he writes everything down everything like his car to the T he's like, I got this repaired. I got this repaired on this date. This is where I got it done from. This is how much I paid, writes everything down on paper. And then he sticks it to whatever, you know, whatever he's tracking. And I think, you know, that's, that's where I kind of, I started to realize that, you know, you have to start tracking things uh, in the sense of, of him. Like I'd go over there and, and, you know, 
stuff here, my dad does not track anything. All right, nothing, nada. I, I don't even think he really tracks his, uh, his oil um, in the car, like the mileage. And what I learned is stuff here does not work. Okay, if you went into my garage and like the generator is half, you know, busted, like doesn't work. Uh, we don't, he doesn't run anything. My grandfather has all running stuff. Why? Because he tracks everything. He knows what's wrong with everything. He knows like, you know, how often he used like the materials. He, he, he knows what's going on with, with time passing by. He still knows what's going on because he just reads his notes, right? He tracks everything. So the key is you do want to start trying to get in the habit of tracking everything. And that's, that's you know, that's just life. Um, t- I'm telling you, I fought this one for a long, long time. Because, uh, you know, I used to hear this all the time. Oh, you got to track your calories when you go on a diet. Or you got to track this and you got to track that. And, and, you know, it's just, it's lazy if you don't want to track things. It's just you making it up an excuse to being lazy and you don't want to do it. And, you know, you got to fight that and you got to figure out ways to motivate yourself to start tracking things. Now, we're going to go into the second topic, which is why you should care about other people. Uh, this one is one of the, probably the most important topics out of, out of both of them. Um, the reason you want to care about people is because if you want people to care about you, you have to care about people, right? And what I, what I started realizing is, uh, you know, we get these emails, right? I deal with a lot of different types of emails at this job. And the people that don't want to pick up the phone, the reason they don't want to pick up the phone is, is they're not thinking about helping the other person on the other end. They're thinking about themselves in the matter of like, oh, I got to do extra work. I don't want to pick up the phone and do extra work. I don't want to call this person. I don't want to talk to this other person. Why would I want to go and help this person if this person isn't going to help me, right? And you're going to hear that a lot with people. You know, maybe you start your first job. Maybe you've already seen it with people. Like, I mean, it, it doesn't take a lot of, of uh, time to really look at other people when you're working at a job. And then you'll, you'll always hear, oh, why would I do that for that person? That person wouldn't do it for me, right? So right off the bat, they don't, they don't believe in people, right? They don't believe that the other person would do it for them. With, and by the way, they're automatically judging that person. Because how do you know that person wouldn't do it for, for you if they were in, the, in, in your shoes trying to um, work on something for you? Right. So, you know, that's where I came up with the mentality of like, you know, if, if this was me, if I was the customer, right, this is why I pick up the phone all the time and I call the service provider and I go, Hey, did this person pay? And they go, yeah. And I move the work forward for reimbursement when the other person would kick it back to the customer and delay him three weeks. Cause you know, it's probably going to take him a long time to go and get, um, eh, probably not three weeks, but like other person normally doesn't know what the hell's going on and they'll just keep sending the same invoice back and back and back and forth. Right. Um, so they wouldn't give you what you needed anyways. So instead of delaying it on them, I go, okay, if this was me on the other end, I would really hope the person that got my work would pick up the phone and just call the service provider and push my work through. So that's why I pick up the phone and I call the service provider. Cause I'm like, you know, if this was me, I would hope the guy would pick up the phone and just call the service provider and ask him for basic information and then push my work through for a reimbursement if I really needed it. And by the way, some of these people are waiting on thousands of thousands of dollars to be reimbursed to them. It's not like we're talking about 20 bucks. You know, some of it, I've had invoices for $5,000. I've had invoices for $3,000. I've had one for $10,000. So it's, and these people have to spot the 10,000 or the 5,000 and they get reimbursed by this company that I'm working for. So how pissed do you think the person next to me, 
the person that I work with, the coworkers that don't want to pick up the phone, how pissed off do you think they would be if they were the ones that were spotting the 10 grand that they didn't really have and maybe threw it on a credit card and they're getting, and they're, they're getting accumulated interest on top of the credit cards because the person that's working it keeps pushing the work back and pushing the work back and pushing the work back. So like that's, that's what you guys need to start doing honestly is like, as I'm telling you, there's more, there's people are not thinking like that when they're working. People are just like, I'm here for a paycheck. I'm here to go home after screw the other person that's on the other end. I don't care. The person wouldn't do it for me. And that's what most people will tell you. And like most of them won't even hesitate telling you that. Okay. Like most people just say it. I've, I've, I've heard people at my company say it all the time. Like, Oh, why do I have to, why do I got to do that? Right. Why do I have to do that for the customer? Like, that's stupid, <laughs> right? Um, I was talking to one of my other friends about uh, the Army, all right? And uh, one of my friends just recently got, um, I think, I, I don't know if he got draft. He got drafted, but, like, I don't know if he got shipped out yet. I think he went back to training, and I don't know if he physically um, is brought into the Army and he's doing, like, non-training stuff or whatever you want to call it. Again, he called it getting shipped out. But I was telling my friend about this, and she goes, "Oh, that's crazy!" And we were just, we were just, I was having fun with her. I was like, "Yeah, like, um, which it, it, you know, it basically is true. Like, I'm like, he, like, he's, he's the United States bitch, basically, because he's got to do whatever the United States says. He signed a contract. He's got to go and do like, if they say, hey, go to Africa or hey, go here, he's got to go, and he can't question it. He's just, he has to go. Like, and she's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> she's like, "Oh my god!" Like that's so scary. Like, why would he want to do that? And I'm like, cause, cause that's what he wants to do. Like he knows what he's getting into. Right. And she's like, yeah, I guess. And I'm like, but you know, I, you gotta have respect for people like that. Like it takes a lot of courage to go and do uh, something like that where you're signing, um, you know, you're signing your life into the, the military and like, you don't know, like a war could happen tomorrow. And like, you know, he has to go out there and he has to go defend the country. But what she was saying, which was what I'm getting to, is she was like, oh, I would never do that for this country because, like, I wouldn't want to put my life on the line for these people, right? So right off the bat, it automatically, you know, she automatically said, like, oh, I wouldn't want to do that because I wouldn't want to put myself on the line for these people, right? So if she wouldn't put her line on for these people, why does she expect other people to put her life on the line for her in the United States, right? So that's what I'm trying to say. You got to be careful of like how you're approaching things because even though like that's a small thing and like, I don't think she was thinking of it in that way. It does reflect on you in the sense of that's what she's going to go through life with. Why would I do that for this person? If this person is not going to do it for me. So she will not have the energy to go and go above and beyond for other people. And the one quote that I can, I can tell you guys that I've read, which uh, is, is, pretty, is pretty powerful, is um, it, there's a saying, if you, can, if you can give more than you receive to the, to the world and to people, you'll be the most wealthiest person on the planet. Meaning if you can take your selfishness and stop doing a lot of stuff for you and start giving back and doing more for others, you'll be, you'll, you'll, you'll be the richest person in the world because people will start giving you things. Right. Um, and I've seen that firsthand. Like I've done something out of completely out of my way for one person. They go, okay, like since you did that for me, I'll go and do this. And I really needed the thing that they wanted me to, they were going to offer me. Like I like desperately needed it, but I wasn't looking for it. 
I just tried to help someone and they're like, Hey, well, if you're going to do this for me, like, Hey, come like maybe come next week to this event and we'll help you out this way. And I'm like, okay, I really needed that. Like, all right, let's go. Let's do it. So the point that I'm trying to make is uh, if, if you look at the world or look at people, I should say, and, and you tell yourself that, you know, why would, you know, this person isn't going to do anything for me. Why would I do something for this person? You'll be the poorest person on planet earth because you're not going to be willing to do anything for anyone. You're not going to be willing to put your, your self-esteem or your, your selfishness in a sense. That's the real selfishness, right? Why would I do this for this person when this person would do it for me? That's the real word of selfishness, not the selfishness that most people think of when you're trying to take care of yourself. Um, before uh, some other people, but that's the real meaning of selfishness in the sense of what people are trying to tell you in the world, um, where you're not trying to do things for other people at all, where you're just like, well, screw that person. Like, I don't care that person paid thousands of dollars. Um, it's not me, right? So that's, that's what I'm trying to tell you is if you want to be successful, if you want other people to do things for you, you got to be willing to do things for other people. And people are very important. By the way, you can't get anything in life without other people. It's impossible. You can't grow as an individual without other people. You can't build a successful business without employees or other people. You can't save the world and go in um, and raise money to go help the homeless or help the poor or um, you know, clothe, uh, clothe people on the street without people. Everything takes manpower. Everything whether it's politics, whether it's business, whether it's success, whether it's you're trying to do something good for, um, for all. Um, I had, like, it was funny. I was debating this, uh, I was debating this one person. Um, this is when I was uh, going around on Facebook and I'd see people posting little, uh, political stuff and I just jump in and I just ask them a question and then I get, I get hit in the head with a baseball bat with like 5,000 other people. And, and I get hit in the head with like a, like, like I'd bring like a pen and paper and these people would bring like baseball bats to the argument and they just try to like swat me in the face with these baseball bats. Um, and I'd be like, damn, like, I'm just asking a question. Like, I'm just, I'm just trying to see where you're coming from. And, uh, this one girl was talking about like world peace and something about the wall. Okay. Something about the wall there. She's like, oh, well, like screw the wall. We need to, we need to work on, um, Climate change. Uh, what is it? Uh, can't think of the word. We need to. We need to fix our our world. Like if we don't. If we don't fix the climate. If we don't start acknowledging climate change. I think it is climate change. If we don't start acknowledging climate change, like we're all gonna die and we're not gonna have a planet any, anymore. And I was like, I was like, okay, but you need to have people in order to do that. And I was like, if you don't have, if you don't have a border, and you're not protecting the people within the border. How, how are you going to do climate change? How are we going to focus on climate change if there's no country? If, 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 if the country is basically nothing, how can you focus on the climate change? You need people, right? So that's what I'm trying to say is like, you need people to do anything now, like nowadays. Like there's, I think there's like 7 billion people in the world on planet earth. Not just, you know, it's not United States statistic. That's the whole entire world. There's 7 billion people on planet earth. I could be wrong on the 7 billion. It could be a little lesser, could be a little bit more, but I know it's around like 7 billion. I'm pretty sure, but that's a lot of people, 7 billion people in the whole entire world. 
in how much of a difference I could make if 7 billion people came together and, and actually uh, strive to do something. That's, that's a lot of manpower right there. A lot. So the, the point that I'm trying to make here is uh, you need people. I used, to, I used to say a lot of the time when I was younger, I used to be like, I don't need people. I can do it all on my own. And it's such a, it's such a, it's such a myth. You need people in your life, right? Um, but if I don't have my parents, I probably wouldn't even be talking to you right now, right? Because my parents have given me a lot of the stuff that I needed to live and grow up in a, uh, in a happy household, in a sense, right? I needed my parents in order to know what's right and what's wrong uh, in the beginning, right? I, my beliefs came from my parents. Some of the beliefs came from my parents. A lot, a lot of things I had to change. But the point that I'm trying to make to you is that we all need people. People are the most important things. That's why, like, for me, it's so important that I get involved with my community. And it's so important that I have a, a religious viewpoint on things. And I go and I, um, I give some of my time to my, uh, my religious community as well because what religion has, has made me realize the whole thing religion works is because it is a community of people coming together. It's a community gathering. It's all about, in religion, it's all about community. It's all about everyone coming together, making a difference in the community as a whole. And from there, you make the real difference with massive amounts of people trying to aim for the same similar goals. And that's how you get the result, right? That could be if you're Jewish, it could be if you're Christian, it could be if you're Hindu, it, could, it doesn't matter the religion. What matters is that it forms a community. And that's where religion really plays a big part in, um, in forming communities and making a difference, right? That's why I'm, you know, that's why I've started strengthening my religion, my, uh, or my religious standpoint, I should say, is because the more I started paying attention, because when I was younger, right, when I was younger and I was going to, uh, you know, church, I was going to church when I was younger, and I didn't understand that at first. I would just be like, okay, there's a bunch of people here, and they're worshiping this person. They call Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ. Okay, <laughs> right? And Because, like, at a kid, you know, when you're younger, you don't really know what's going on. And I'd just be like, okay. And then, I, you know, I'd, I'd understand the religion. Like, my parents would kind of teach me, like, what, you know, the holidays were and what this was and what that was. And I'd just be like, okay, I understand. And then what would happen is when I got to a certain age and I was kind of like, okay, they're like, okay, now you're on your own, right? You're on your own. Like we'll, we'll try to get you to go to church as much, as much as we can, but you're on your own. And I was like, okay. And so I'd go through life and then I questioned a lot of it. I questioned a lot of it. I questioned like probably 90% of it. And I'd be like, well, I'd be like, well, you know, if you're really about this then why do you do this? Right. And I, and I, you know, I still, I still question some of this stuff. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm, gonna look, I'm not going to look you in the face and lie to you. There's still some things that I don't think is right that some of the, the people in, in the church do. Um, for instance, like, for instance, uh, I guess like the, you know, I'll be honest with you since we're, you know, we're getting, we're getting pretty into this, but, or I'm getting pretty into this, but you know, the whole thing with like the gay marriage stuff. Now, my viewpoint on gay marriage, okay, is I don't really believe 
in the sense of a man and a man or a woman and a woman getting married or having um, kind of like a relationship type of thing where, you know, man was made to be with a woman. That's why you can pro, uh, pre, you know, I don't know the terms. I'm not saying it right. If, if you wanted a man and a woman to be together, they could have a baby, right? I was trying to think of the term. It starts with a P, like uh, repro, preocreate. It came out weird, but I'm not going to use that word. <laughs> but if you wanted to have a baby, only a man and a woman can have a baby. You can't do that with a man and a man and a woman and a woman. It doesn't work. So the point that I'm trying to make is, you know, that's, that's one thing that they try to, they try to inform in religion, right? Is like you, you need to have that um, a man and a woman together, which I agree with. A part that I don't really agree with is how, like, let's say you were gay. Um, and they would be like, they would be like, you know, I don't, I don't really think a man and a woman should get married or something like that. That's where I don't agree with, right? It shouldn't matter what, you know, what Tom and Tom and Jerry want to fucking do with their life. They should be able to do whatever they want to do with their life. You know, that's, that's something where I disagree with the church. Um, the funny thing is actually Republicans were the ones to actually legalize marriage, by the way, or for, you know, gay marriage. Wasn't it wasn't the Democratic Party, by the way? So that's why I think it's funny when they when some people go like, oh, like everyone's against the gays and stuff like that. But it was the Republican Party that actually um, basically created men and women, or men and men and women and women, to basically go and get married. By the way, but whole whole other thing to talk about. But that's one thing I don't agree with. The other thing I'm not. Yeah, I don't believe in like some of them will be like, oh, if you have sex before marriage, you're going to hell. I don't, I don't believe in that shit either. Um, but there's certain little aspects that I don't agree. The other thing that kind of pisses me off is that most Catholics or Christians will sing the Our Father. Now, in the Our Father, for anyone that doesn't know, there's a line in there that says, um, there's a line in there that says, uh, forgive me for my sins and forgive others for their sins. And it doesn't, I don't think it really says it exactly like that, but that's, that's the phrase that's in there. There's a part in there where it, it's basically saying like, forgive me for my sins as I forgive other people for their sins. So what they're hinting towards is, if you want to be forgiven, you must forgive other people that are sinning with you or sinning without them knowing or sinning because they do know or whatever. But the whole, the whole purpose of that is to basically be like, you know, you have to forgive other people if you want to be forgiven. And most, Catholic, or most Catholics, most Christians do not do that. And that's something that, you know, they preach that, right? And they put that in the message of Christ and all that stuff, but they don't really do that. So that's something that I don't agree with either is that, you know, you're saying one thing, but you're not doing another thing. Kind of almost like a hypocrite in a sense. Um, but the message is, is on the message is right. The thing is people don't realize, people don't analyze things. People don't look at things logically. People don't, people don't put two and two together, you know, one and one together equals two, right? You need one and one to get to two. You can't do one and zero and get to two. It's only one. Okay. So that, that's what I'm trying to tell you. So, that's my intake on why you should really, you know, invest your time into other people, why you should care about other people. Because if you want people to care about you, you need to start caring about other people. Um, but, you know, that's, that's, that's what I'm trying to say, is you really need to care about other people. Now, 
I'm gonna go into Dundeal Investments right now and then we're gonna end this. So for anyone that doesn't know, my name's Tyler Dunn. I own a company, Dundeal Investments LLC, where the deal is already done. This business is designed to help distressed sellers, anyone that can't financially sustain their properties on their own, whether it's a pre-foreclosure, maybe the bank already owns the property and it's, they call that a foreclosure. Um, they got a job transfer, they have to move really, really quick. They don't have time to go through a real estate agent to sell it. Uh, you inherited a house from a loved one that passed away maybe, or in some, some way you inherited a house and you, and you just want to get rid of it fast. I can help you out. Uh, you went through a very, very messy divorce and you just want to get rid of it. You just want to sell the house as fast as you possibly can. You don't want to go through the whole, um, three, you know, sometimes it takes three weeks or more. There's actually a house that's right next to me, by the way, that, um, it's been on the market, I think for the last, uh, month and a half. And I think we're going on to almost two months now. And that's through a real estate agent. And it's, and funny enough, it's actually one of the best uh, real estate brokers that you could possibly, possibly have. Um, so that's what I mean by like, you might not want to go through a realtor. It might take too long and maybe you don't really have the time to sit there and, and wait three weeks to like two months to sell your house. Now, um, so that's, that's what we call a distressed seller. Anyone that wants to basically sell the house very fast for, for quick cash. Um, and then what we also do is we take an investor and we put them on the deal. So that's why it's called where the deal's already done because we're creating the deal for you and we're putting the deal together. Now, how this works is it's called the three-step system to, the, to financial freedom is what I call it. First step is you have to contact me, whether it's, um, whether it's phone, email, website forms, uh, going on my social media channels and just sending me a quick message. You have to contact me because I, I won't know that you need help unless you, unless you contact me. Um, I do prefer a phone call just because it's easier. I can get through the questions faster, but either way, it doesn't really matter. I can still give you questions on an email and you can just write them back and send it to me. But um, So that's that. You have to contact me in some way or somehow. Now, if you're on Facebook, it's right in the description. Like You just hit see more. It might even show you automatically, but you hit see more. It'll show you the website. It'll show you my phone number. It'll show you... Um, the social media accounts that I have, and then just write, you know, reach out to me. The second step is from there, I got to set up an appointment with you to go to your, um, your property. And I have to go through a estimate sheet, which I call an estimate sheet. And the other thing too, is that we have to go through and take five pictures inside your property and five pictures outside. Now, the reason I have this sheet is on the sheet, it's going to give me an estimate of how much money the investor would have to put into the property to get it to mint condition. So if you have like roof damage, you have leaks or, uh, or flood, or you have, um, you know, your faucet's not really working well. Anything that's a cost the investor, I have to report to the investor. And the reason I'm taking the pictures is so when I go to find the investors, which is step three, to go and find the investors for you, I have to be able to show them the property but I don't want all this foot traffic coming through your property. So that's why I'm going to send them the pictures and the estimate sheet or the estimate of like, you know, it's going to take this amount of money to get it to here. Now from there, um, now we're on to step three. Now step three is I'm just going to run comps. And what they, what they mean by running comps is you got to take three houses that are the closest to the property that I'm looking at that I've sold in that area or on the market in the last like three months or as recent as you can possibly get it. And that's where we get the average price. And the average price, all I do is deduct it from the, um, from the how much it's going to take to put your property in mint condition. So all the estimate stuff that I, I've jotted down, that's where we take 
you know, that's where I minus off the average price. And from that price, we negotiate and we come to an agreement. Once we come to an agreement on the price and the terms, which the terms, all it is, is um, like, let's say you have to stay in the house for three more weeks to go find a property. You have to go do X, Y, and Z before you can actually move. That's where I would put it in the, in the terms. So that's where I would work on it with you with the investor on the terms and the price. And then once we come to an agreement, you sign the paper, the contract, I sign the contract, investor that I get on the deal signs the contract. And from there, it's a successful deal. So from there, all that happens is we go and give you the cash that we uh, agreed upon. You go and find another property and, and you get out of your financial situation. Because most of the time you're in the, most of the people that do this are normally in a financial situation where they can't, they're, they're going to get screwed pretty bad by either like a bank, because most of them are probably going to be uh, pre-foreclosure, meaning like they're behind on, on uh, bank mortgage payments and they, they're going to lose the house. They're going to lose all the money they put into the house. They're going to lose, um, you know, their credit's going to get killed. So this, this helps, this is for a resource for a, uh, for a homeowner, not really an investor. The investor obviously is going to want to do it because he's going to make money on the deal. But at the same time, this is really designed for the seller. It's try, we're trying to create another resource for homeowners. Um, and that's who really needs it is the homeowner because the bank will give you the loan, but once you're in trouble with the loan, they're not going to really give you any resources to help you out. They're just going to say, okay, um, cause you paid them, you've paid them the whole entire time on the mortgage up until now. And now they can legally take your home and just say, okay, they gave us money. Now we can resell this house and make more money off it. So they're not going to care that you're missing payments. They're just going to repossess the house and they're going to go in and sell it and make more money off the deal. Uh, so it's a win-win for them and a lose-lose for you. Now, from um, from there, obviously you're gonna get the cash. Whatever resources you need, like if you need a realtor, I know a lot of realtors. Um, home inspector, I, I can help you out there. Uh, anything that you need down the road, finding another property, I can definitely give you some connections. From there, um, the investor is obviously gonna make a profit. He's gonna flip it. He's gonna invest some capital into the property. He's then gonna sell it, and he's gonna make a profit. Now, done deal investments will make a, a minor profit off of uh, getting you and the investor together on a deal, and that's why it's called where the deal is already create or where the deal is already done. And from there, we just get a finder's fee or a commission fee from the investor, which is the coolest part. You don't even have to worry about paying us. The investor will pay us on the deal, and um, he'll give us a finder's fee or like uh, you know for putting the deal together and giving him a, you know making him a little bit of money. Now, from there. Um, that's basically the whole, the whole thing. Now, my, my dreams and goals for this company is to eventually build it up, which I graduated from accounting one. So, you know, I graduated from, I'm technically a college grad. And what, what I'm going to do now is now I'm going to go get some licenses while I'm waiting a year. I'm taking a year off of school until I get, you know, a year into this company and I can start doing tuition reimbursement. Um, so what I'm going to start doing is getting these licenses. The next thing I'm adding on to this business is home inspections. And for anyone that, that knows home inspections well, they normally charge you per home inspection about $150 to $200. So what I'm thinking about doing is uh, once I get licensed, which might take, um, I don't know how long it takes you to get licensed yet, um, my estimate on time is about three to four months, four months max. But what I'm gonna start doing is once I get licensed, I'm gonna get done deal investments to start doing free home inspections which is a big, big deal. Cause most people, like I said, pay $150 to $200 per home inspection. We'll do a full detailed uh, report 
And this report will help you through a lot of different things. Like you need to report for many different things. One of the biggest things is um, most people don't, you know, they want to eventually sell their house and make a bigger profit off of, that's why you kind of bought a house, right? You bought a house to try to make a profit at the end and sell it. So what most people do is they spend and waste money on things that shouldn't be fixed. The report will tell you like, hey, your water heater is kind of outdated um, or your electrical sockets are kind of outdated and you should really do this if you want to sell it. Or, um, you know, and this is how much rough, you know, roughly it's going to cost. Or, you know, like put your money here instead of here and this is a better investment to, to start off with. Now, the other thing you're going to need a home inspection report for is if you have a, if you have a warranty company or you have insurance, most of the time um, for like these warranty companies, because I work for a warranty company right now, most of the time they ask for a, um, like let's say they deem something as pre-existent. Now, pre-existent just means that they um, they they think it's been a long time that you've been living with like a certain condition. Like let's say you wanted to replace your water heater, and your warranty is supposed to cover it. If they think like you should like it was a pre a pre pre-existing condition, <laughs> to slow down for a second, pre-existent condition, they would then have to um, go and look at the inspection report, which would tell them if it was a pre-existing condition or if it's just like a mechanical issue or just recently, you know, something happened to your, your machine. But that's where it would come in handy too. You'd have this free inspection report and if anything happened where a warranty company was like, hey, this is, this is labeled as pre-existing condition, you could then use the inspection report that I gave you for free and try to get your money out of the warranty company. That's something that you could do too. Um, but like I said, like I'm gonna, and it's only gonna be a limited amount of people I'm gonna do this for because then I'm gonna obviously start trying to make money off it um, to get some capital gains for Done Deal Investments LLC. So what I'm gonna start doing is, um, if anyone is interested in getting a free home in inspection, just email me, send me, send me some form of contact and I'll put you on what I call a pre-service list. And from there, what I'll do is um, once I get licensed in the home inspections, I'll start reaching out to you guys through that, uh, that pre-service list that I'm going to create. And then I'll just reach out to you. I'll, I'll give you a phone call. I'll email you and be like, hey, we got licensed. We're starting to do the free home inspections. You're next on the list. Let me know if you're still interested and, and we'll, we'll set up a, a time and date for me to come out and inspect your, you know, inspect your home for free. And all I'm asking, by the way, with these free home inspections is that you just give us a, um, a rating on like Facebook, like our Facebook page, or that you go on our Google, um, Google reviews or Google my business and just give us a good review. Um, you know, or, or if we didn't do that great of a job, you can obviously, you know, you don't have to give us, a, you know, I just need the reviews. So that's what I'm going to start doing on the beginning is, uh, you know, just give me a review and then we'll do the free home inspections at, you know, or I do the review after we obviously do the home inspection, but, um, that's what I'm going to start trying to do. So if you're interested, contact me and we'll get you on that pre-service list for Dundee investments. I'll see So I'm going to wrap this up right now. So this has been episode 76 of goals and updates. I appreciate anyone that stopped by and listened. Uh, if you know, you want to reach out to me and just talk to me about anything. I'm, I'm definitely, uh, I'm definitely your guy to go and talk to. So, um, yeah, so this has been, you know, uh, goals and updates, episode 76. We're almost on 100, guys. I'm going to try to do uh, two more this week, and we're going to try to get up to, I guess, then we'd be at 78. So we're almost at 78. So we're almost at 80. So we're almost 20 episodes away, which is pretty impressive. So this has been goals and updates, episode 76. My name's Tyler Dunn. 
with Done Deal Investments, LLC, where the deal is already done. Peace.